following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. What do you think of when I name or label or tell you the person who, who wears this title? A guide. Okay, a guide. Um, do you, I guess I kind of messed that up a little because a guides can look a lot of different ways. Um, and maybe perhaps, as I just said, you think of an actual person. I mean, uh, I think uh, my family and I, we got the privilege early this summer of going offshore fishing, and we had a guide that took us out there to do that. Maybe, maybe when you think of a guide, maybe you're one of those rugged individual ad- adventuresome people, and you've gone spelunking before. Um, and you've had a guide taking that because you wanted to get back out of the cave after you went into the cave, all right? Um, maybe jeeping, touring. There are tour guides out there. Maybe when I think, when I say the word guide, your mind goes elsewhere, not to a person, but to instructions, okay? Putting together that office desk. I know there's a few of you who, for some reason, rather feel like that it's not manly if you use the instructions. I'm not one of those people. You give me those instructions, all right? Because I need every one of them. Or, or perhaps... You need to watch a YouTube video to change a car headlight. Did you know a car headlight requires a bachelor's degree changing it out these days? Do you remember the days when I was basically taking a bulb out, plugging a new bulb in, and putting in a couple of screws? That's all it amounted to. Not anymore, okay? Just if you got a headlight out right now, go to YouTube or just take it to a mechanic, all right? You'll get charged for three hours of labor, okay? Because that's how long it'll take. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, now, this was interesting because both Jen Brown and my wife Donna found a guide, instructions of how... Did you know there is a real way and a perfect way of boiling an egg? I thought there were many ways of boiling eggs. No, there are not, thanks to Pinterest, because Pinterest is the biggest guide out there. Men, we go to YouTube. If you're a man and you go to Pinterest, don't tell anybody, okay? Please, all right? But ladies, you're proud of it. You go to Pinterest, all right? And you get guided. Now, what, what about God? What about in our relationship with God? What point or in what ways is he a guide to us? Is he available to us as a guide through life? We've been looking at, as JB said, this summer at spiritual disciplines. And what we've looked at to this point is we started the summer with submission, which is, which is obedience. Then we went to fasting and study and solitude and meditation and confession and simplicity and service. And last week we talked about prayer. And it's interesting how we get to the latter part, because we've only got two more weeks of this. As we get to the latter part of these spiritual disciplines, how much the last ones hinge and depend upon the first ones. Now, something we have to understand what spiritual disciplines are about. Spiritual disciplines are not a checklist to go through in order to earn favor with God. That's impossible. God loves us. He sent his son to die for us. And there is only one savior. His name is Jesus. Okay? We cannot save ourselves by being more godly as people. That's Jesus' job. Okay? So what are these spiritual disciplines about? They are about looking and acting 
more like Jesus in this life, as JB explained to us just a moment ago. Today, what we are going to look at is guidance. Let's think of what is in Scripture here for a moment, that God, the, way, the ways in which God gave guidance to his people in the Bible. I think one of the most intriguing ways that God guided his people took place in the Garden of Eden, before the fall of mankind, before Adam and Eve royally messed up, and we're still feeling the ramifications of it. When God walked with Adam and Eve. And to me, that is incredibly intriguing. And that level of guidance is something that we will never experience again in that way until we reach our home, our eternal home. It's intriguing. But there are other ways that God guide people throughout the Bible. One was a pillar of fire. One was by giving his people the law. One was by prophets, by using people to speak to his people, all right? I mean, you can find some unique ways. In the Old Testament, you're going to find, I mean, for lack of a better term, a ghost hand that showed up and wrote on the wall. That was the latter part of the Babylonian, the Babylonian way they ruled the, the, the earth, and that was right before their fall. Um, You've got, you've got Jesus came, God's Son, to guide us. You've got the Holy Spirit who came into this world to guide us. And we're going to talk a lot about that one here momentarily. So those are the different ways that God guides. Now, there's also some things that you might put next to that in the realm of guidance and what we call signs. Um, we think of perhaps like the fleece. There was a fleece in the story of Gideon in the Old Testament that was put out to to get a sign from God. There are miracles that took place throughout Scripture. The sun actually went backwards once upon a time. You believe that? Yeah, it happened. King Hezekiah. God told him, I'm going to add to your life. And King Hezekiah is like, how do I know? He said, well, the sun will go backwards. (laughs) And it went backwards. All right? Um, Most times in Scripture, though... The signs aren't the guiding. They follow the guiding. God gave his instruction and then gave a sign to follow that. Now, here's the question. That's this. In what ways does God guide people today? Specifically, today, in our day and our age. And I'm going to tell you, the number one, this is not earth-shattering, folks. The number one way God guides his people is in my hands right now, is by his word. Do we have any other non-yard lighters out there? I know I just made that term up, I'm sorry. Non-yard lighter. Do you you not have a yard light in your yard? Any of you? Okay, you live in, okay, keep your hands up. You live in the country and you do not have a yard light. Okay, all right, brave people. All right, we don't either. Not that it's not out there, I just have never replaced the photo cell on it. Okay. It's a long ways up there. I mean, good grief. And it's on our side, so the electric company won't do it. So we don't have a yard light. And I can tell you right now, you go out in the morning before light, and believe it or not, I know some of you don't believe this, I am up sometimes before daylight. I know deer season's coming. I'll do it quite a bit, actually, all right? And I'm telling you, the darkest time of night, it's not just a cliche, it's the truth. When there's no moon, and it's about 5 o'clock in the morning, and the sun doesn't come up till 6.30, it is 
dark. And you do not go out there without a light because you're going to hurt yourself. That's just all there is to it. And I, and though you non-yard lighters out there, you are tough, tough people. We need light in this world. Why don't you turn to the 119th Psalm? I'll tell you, that is such an easy place to find in Scripture because most of the time, and most people's Bible is just about right smack dab in the middle. The 119th Psalm is famous for one thing, being long. It is the longest Psalm in the entire Bible, all right? The 119th Psalm, but there's some good stuff in it. I don't know how many songs have been written about this verse. The 119th Psalm, get this, the 105th verse. How do you like to memorize that one? All right. I think I'll stick to the 23rd Psalm for memory, not the 119th. Okay, 119th Psalm, verse 105. I know some of you will know this. It says this, Your word, God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I tell you folks that I've experienced it before, physically. Not just spiritually, physically, when it is really, really, really dark, nothing brings comfort like the light. It says, God, thy word, your word is a lamp into my feet, right here in front of me, but a light into my path to where I'm going to, your word. Now, guys, we, we think about that one, and we talk about that one often, but it's not very often that we, ra- we write and talk about the next verse, 106. When the psalmist says this, I have sworn and I will confirm it, that I will keep your righteous ordinances or laws. Your word's a lamp unto my feet, and I will keep that lamp. God's word is incredibly important in our life. If you feel like at some point in time that God is speaking to you, or you hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, and you feel like God is pointing you in a certain direction, before you follow that direction, I encourage you to take whatever you've been told and test it with this. Because God will never tell you to do anything that doesn't match up with this. They always match up. What God says to you today will always match up with what God has said before. Do not ever forget that. There's no place in life that we can find ourselves where we cannot find guidance from God's holy word. You know something, when something isn't the norm, it catches our attention. It really, really, it really, really does. Something that you don't see every day. Anybody see a rhino giving an SUV a gentle nudge this week? Anybody see that? I'm just curious, how many of you saw that on, on video this week? A rhino just, just kind of nudging SUV, just giving a little nudge. Happened in Mexico, actually. No, that, that rhinos aren't in Mexico. It was at a zoo, all right? Okay. Um, so... Well, of course, being the person that I am who has a tendency to chase squirrels and rabbits all the time, I watched that video, and then I just did not stop. And I continued to watch other videos of elephants sitting on cars, of rhinos not gently nudging vehicles, but picking them up off the ground and tossing them, all right? And just video, lions coming up, 
mayo lines marking their territory on cars. I think you know what I'm talking about, all right? I mean, those things catch our attention. They do because it's just not normal. It's just not something that you see every day. We have a term for that. We call it abnormal, okay? You know what? When it comes to God communicating with his people, there are times God does this in unusual ways. And maybe the correct word isn't abnormal. Maybe it's this, exceptional, okay? When it's the exception to the rule. Moment that we say that God does not break down walls and communicate with people in unique ways is the moment God will show up do it and show us that he can and will do that, okay? We, we have to understand that. It's written all over the Bible, by the way, signs, visions, dreams, and even angels. There's something, though, that we need to keep in mind. God guiding in this way is the exception to the rule, Okay? In some cultures, and I'm not talking about necessarily primitive cultures, I'm talking about more of dark cultures. And what I mean by that is there's not much light. And we as followers of Jesus understand that the light is Jesus. And there are some places in this world that Jesus just cannot get very well. And there are places where this word cannot get, whether it's not translated or it's illegal. And in those places in the world, God shows up in these exceptional ways often. In our culture, we don't see it quite as much. You know why? Because we have this. And we have the Holy Spirit. And now we come to the most important part of God guiding His people. Because it takes place, along with this, by and through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is many things to the followers of Jesus, God's children. We talked about that last week. It is God's children who have this connection in prayer to God. I mean, God created everyone. But it's those who believe in Jesus who have been given the right to be called the children of God. And the children of God have this connection. They have the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the things that the Holy Spirit does for God's people. And now we're going to really be digging in, okay? So be ready. We're going to jump, first of all, into John 14. Interestingly enough, this is exactly where we are at in Sunday school this morning. John 14. Jesus is... Speaking with his disciples just merely hours before he would be on a cross. And this is Jesus' longest speech, discourse, whatever you want to call it, recorded that we have just to his 11 followers. Judas is already gone. Okay, and in this we are going to find Jesus mention something or someone, maybe more specifically, a number of times. John 14, 26. John 14, 26, this is what it says. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said 
to you. Guys, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit this title several times, the helper. And I can understand that when our mind goes to helper, it probably doesn't give enough significance to what this word is in the original language, which was Greek. And the Greek word is parakletos. And you've probably heard that word before. Maybe not. Parakletos. And what that word means, it's more than just a helper. It's, it's wrapped up in a bunch of different things. A comforter, an advocate, an intercessor. All those things the Holy Spirit is to God's people. I hope that some of you in the past few weeks have felt the comfort that comes through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a comforter, an advocate, somebody incredibly powerful who's on your side, an intercessor, somebody to stand in the gap between you and God Almighty. But you continue through that and it also says that the Holy Spirit is not just that, he's also what? He's a teacher. He will teach you all things. He will teach you everything and help you recall everything I've said to you. Now, Jesus told his disciples a lot of things. But that's not all the Holy Spirit is. Um, Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. It's going to be in the latter part of your New Testament. Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 13 and 14. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says this, In him, meaning Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who's given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. And oh my goodness, guys, we could, we could preach a number of sermons on how the Holy Spirit is a seal and a pledge of what God has in store for his people. And we just don't have time for it. We'll just break it down in this way. The Holy Spirit being alive and active in your life and in my life is the stamp, it is the seal, it is the pledge that we are His, God's children. This Holy Spirit's pretty important here. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Uh, As you're beginning to see, the Holy Spirit's plastered all over the New Testament, okay? And on a bunch of the Old Testament as well. Matthew chapter 10. And here, Jesus is speaking again, and He's sending out His closest followers, disciples, sending them out for the first time on their own little preaching tour. Okay, and he's given some instruction before he sends them out. Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. If you, if you don't have it, you are going to have it here up in front of you, okay? I'm going to start with verse 17, because 18 kind of starts right in the middle of the sentence. Matthew 10, 17. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. 
But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. What Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's telling us as well, is he's saying this. When you are put on the defensive, you have an advocate. You have a defense attorney who's going to come to your aid and put words in your mouth of what to say. But this is the interesting thing. What is Jesus saying that they are... Because I know when we think of a defensive attorney, and if you ever spent time in court, you understand they're very important people, and they're representing someone sitting right beside them. They're representing a defendant, a person. But God says, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say to defend the gospel. The gospel is Jesus came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And there's people in this world who will never accept it. And they will challenge you. And when you're put in that place, the Holy Spirit will help you defend what you believe. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This Holy Spirit does quite a bit, huh? All right, Romans chapter 8. Verse 26, we talked about this one a few weeks ago. Man, this one's, this one's big time, all right? Romans eight twenty six says this, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. Have you ever felt that before? I mean, you, you're either in a tough spot. Many times it is a tough spot, and you're just not sure what to pray. And, if you ever don't know what to pray, don't not pray. That's a double negative, so that means pray. Okay, yes, all right? Pray anyway, because it doesn't matter if you don't know what to pray, because you got the Holy Spirit. It says this, We do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Then it goes on to say in the next verse, That God understands the spirit. He searches the spirit. And whatever you need to get to God, the spirit will see to it that it gets there. A divine translator, if you will. Okay? That is not all the Holy Spirit does. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're in Romans, it's just the very next book. Okay? And we're about through with our journey through the Holy Spirit in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. And this right here is going to begin to tie the knot on what we're talking about today. 1 Corinthians 2, beginning with verse 6. We're going to read down through verse 10. It says, Yet we do not speak with among those who are mature. Yet we, I'm sorry about that, I put a negative in there. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. 
The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they understood it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, this is where it gets important, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. It is the Holy Spirit, people, who reveals the hidden truths of God. There are things about our journey in this life. Because that's what we are on. We are on a journey. We are on a path that leads to our real home. Every follower of Jesus. You are not home. Don't ever forget that. You are making your way home. And there will be moments in that journey when you don't understand what's going on. If you are mature enough to dig into this, the Holy Spirit will reveal. And he'll reveal God's truth to you. There's something else in this, that verse that really stands out. And we've already touched on it. And it's the word mature. That's, that's, where, that's where Paul begins here. He says, we don't speak wisdom, or we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. The ones who will understand it. Guys, this is where the disciplines we've been studying come into play. Donna started something uh, about a month and a half ago at our house. We, we've, we've always had different responsibilities that, that we do at the house, but, um, but it just kind of happened. It's like, go do this, go do that. And, and, and there wasn't really an organized way of, of, of seeing those responsibilities spelled out. Well... We decided to do something a little differently with the girls. They have a list of chores that they do. And they get their initials by them every day if they've done their chores that day. And at the end of a month, if they've done their chores on those days, then they get something special for mom and dad, whether it's a family date night or whether it's a brand new pair of shoes. That's what they worked for last month, all right? Not garage sale shoes, because we get a lot of garage sale. We're talking brand spanking new. Nobody had those suckers on before, okay? All right. And there's nothing wrong with chore lists. It had really, I, man, it helps get a lot of things done around the house. Kind of like it. I don't have a chore list, so I really like it. My chore list is named Donna, all right? And she says, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And I do it most of the time, all right? She would probably say the same about me. But the girls are different. They got their list here. They got their list here. They get their initials down. They're, they're all still pretty excited about it. I don't know how long that will last. There's nothing long, wrong with chore lists, guys. But there's one aspect of our life that we can never allow to become a chore list. And that is spiritual disciplines. Have I, have I fasted? Have I spent time alone with God? Have I... And, and if we, if we have this, this simple chore list, what, what will end up taking place over time is all spiritual disciplines will be is just putting a check mark and another check mark and another check mark. And the real purpose of spiritual discipline 
will never come to fruition in our lives. The purpose of doing these things is fulfilling the desire to get closer to Jesus. To look more like Jesus to people in this world who need Jesus in their lives. And the only Jesus they're going to see right now is you. Jesus walked in this world for 33 years. And man, he had a connection with his father and with the Holy Spirit that we can just only look at and marvel at. You know what Jesus' consistent teaching was? He said, when you see me working, you're seeing God working. Now, is Jesus an egomaniac? Is that what that means? No. It means he was so close to his father that everything he did was the work of his father. They were like this. And the Holy Spirit, guys, do not misunderstand. Jesus was God's son, you know, that's why he could do all of that. Jesus was also fully human. Everything you have ever been tempted about, he was tempted about. Every weakness you have ever felt, he felt. Hebrews tells us that. That's why Jesus can come to our aid because there's nothing that we have experienced in ways of weakness and temptation that he has not overcome. And he did it because he was spiritually disciplined. He spent time alone with his father. When he was the busiest, when he was exhausted, he would say, guys, I'm out for a while. You, you stay here and try not to get into a fight, Peter. Okay, Peter, just keep quiet for a little while, please. James, John, don't, don't try to call down thunder and lightning on any towns, okay? I'm just going to be gone for about four hours. Can you handle it? Can you handle it, guys? Yeah, we can, Jesus. Okay, and he goes, and usually they couldn't handle it. He'd come back to a mess, all right? But he left them to go be alone with his father. Jesus was a Jewish boy growing up. Do you understand what that means? That means he didn't just know all the Old Testament scriptures by heart because he helped write them. No, guys, he was limited while he was here. He had to learn. He was fully human. And by the, he learned so much by the time he was 12 years old. He's in the temple and the teachers of the law are asking him questions. And he's asking, they're like, man, what's the kid's 12 years old? He's amazing. He's God's son? Yes, but he was human too. And he studied the scriptures. Jesus had this close connection with God the Father. And I will admit, yes, because he never sinned. And that's a big part of it. But even more so, because he was connected with God, and he relied upon that connection. Why was he so heartbroken and so torn in the Garden of Gethsemane? Because he realized that sin would be thrown upon his shoulders and that connection would be separated. It would be cut off.
Jesus was a grown, mature man and a follower of his father. And he worked at it. Guys, listen closely. If you didn't get anything else today, get this. It is those who are growing more and more into the image of Christ Jesus who hear the guiding, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit. Are you finding yourself in a place in life where you cannot hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? How much effort are you putting into looking more like Jesus? Guys, we've done, man, we've done some memorial services and funeral services. It seems like it started back in the end of October, beginning of November, and it really hasn't stopped. I don't know, JB, how many services we've done in the past seven, eight months. It's, if I'm not doing it, JB's doing it. If he's not doing one, I'm down. It seems something like it's almost like on a weekly basis. And as we come to those times in life, and as we remember the lives of people, whether they, they lived a victorious life or whether they did not, because victory is found in Jesus. But more often than not, when you... When you come to the end of someone's life and, and, and we talk about this some and, we, and, and I've asked families this, I said, if, if, if your loved one had one more thing that they could say to you, what would they say? Let's pretend for a moment that we're at Jesus' funeral, okay? Yeah, he did have one and it wasn't that glorious, okay? But they didn't even have time. He was back alive real quick anyway, Okay? I mean, think about that. If they had done funerals back then like we do them today. Woo! That cast had come flying open. Hey, hey, hey! I mean, that's what he did. His casket was just a tomb. Instead of kicking the casket open, he kicked the rock out of the way. Okay? That's what he did. Imagine for a moment you were at that service. Can you imagine that one? And the, the minister's up there talking, and, and he says... He says, what is it Jesus would say to you? If he had one more thing to say to you, what would he say? I know what he would say because he told it to his disciples before he died. He said, listen to the Holy Spirit. I died to make you holy. You see, that's what Jesus did. He died to make us holy. But he said there's more to it than that. It's not just so you can be holy and come to heaven and be with me and my father. Because nobody unholy will be in heaven. He said, I died to make you holy. But there's something about earth about this too. You are made holy so that you can house the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot reside within an unholy person. And we cannot make ourselves holy no matter how hard we try. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ that can make us holy. And Jesus says, I died to make you holy so that the Holy Spirit can come live in you. Are you listening to it? They still have guidance counselors today. We talk about this in Sunday school a little bit. 
You students, we got some high school, junior high students. Do they still have the guidance counselors? They had them back when I was in school as well. And Miss Haggard, that was her name. I know that sounds like a tough name, you know, for a guidance counselor. And maybe that was an appropriate name for everything I'm sure she had to listen to. Miss Haggard, all right? She's a great lady. I learned more about Miss Haggard after I graduated from high school, interestingly enough, because I never, I rarely went to her office. I just didn't. She was an incredible woman. She's retired now. She's a great counselor. I'll tell you what, me not going to her office, that was my loss. That was my loss. The Holy Spirit is the greatest guidance counselor ever. And I wonder how many of us are not going to that office, who are not listening, who are not taking advantage of the greatest gift ever given to us. Gift of the Holy Spirit. You know what happens when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and we're hearing the still small voice of the Holy Spirit? You know what happens? It's scriptural. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't we just love that one? Save the best for last. You want some more of those things in your life? It's time to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit.